0: rob McCarran.
1: pyro michael cole oh my god is that oh it's the demon the demon has returned oh.
0: jeff hawkins
1: <laughs> 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 choke slam and that's it there you go
0: you're listening to shake them ropes with rob mccarron and jeff hawkins
1: Shake Them Ropes 275. I'm Jeff Hawkins. Hi, how's it going? You can reach me at Crap Game 13. You can reach the show at Shake Them Ropes. Rob McCarron will be on in a little bit to give his Extreme Rules preview, and then that'll be followed by my Extreme R- Rules preview. Uh, today on the show, we're gonna talk a little Jim Ross. And talk a little May Young classic. Start off here talking a little about a little bit of uh, Ring of Honor. Uh, Ports are now. It's official. Ring of Honor and New Japan are going to put on a show. Madison Square Garden. WrestleMania weekend. Uh, Interesting to me, somewhat, that uh, I guess the rumors of their demise from Madison Square Garden are uh, unfounded, or at least premature. You never know. They could cancel this, still. I mean, WWE has ways of ways of politically manipulating things. Uh, I don't think it's as big a deal as some people are making it out to be. And don't get me wrong, it's a big deal. But shows, WrestleMania weekend, tend to sell out regardless. Madison Square Garden, not the biggest building in the world. And who knows how New Japan talent is going to be used on this show. Look, Ring of Honor has had chances to use New Japan talent over and over and over again. And New Japan talent generally goes over Ring of Honor talent when they're together. Um, This is co-branded. So that probably means Ring of Honor is going to be the ones controlling the booking here. It's not going to be all balls-out G1 style. And as we've seen from the G1 specials here in California the past two years, New Japan doesn't even go balls-out for American audiences. So, I, I, I think it's good for wrestling. I think it's good they got a major arena. I hope it sells out. I just, from a creative standpoint, look, half these guys are going to be working half the other shows around the greater New Jersey, New York area. So, I mean, how special is it going to be? That's the question. And that, to me, is going to be dependent on who's on top, who's carrying both companies at the time, and the matches that New Japan is willing to let talent lose in, quite frankly. Because otherwise, you're going to get a show kind of like you've gotten in Vegas when Ring of Honor and New Japan Talent worked there, I think. Pretty good. You know, some guys going a little bit half speed here. You might get a show like San Francisco or Long Beach. Long Beach especially with just tag matches and, you know, a couple of special appearances. Or maybe, you know, a champion versus champion match on, on top and the rest is kind of... Guys there filling out the card. We'll we'll see. But uh, good on Ring of Honor. Man, they're the the company that keeps on going. And, look, TNA's chugging along, too, surprisingly enough. So you have two number twos. You just don't have two strong number twos, in a way, in my opinion. These companies are lacking buzz in the zeitgeist, in my opinion. Wrestling overall is kind of cold, as we saw from... Raw getting its lowest rating ever this week, which, kind of stunning, given that there's nothing else on competing against it. Sure, it's, you know, the summer, so <laughs> I haven't heard Dave Meltzer yet blame, uh, blame the extra hours of sunshine for, for Raw ratings being down yet, but, you know, it's summer, people go on trips, but look, quite frankly, the product's cold wrestling's cold as a business for the most part even though we still love it. So, you know, we'll, we'll see we'll see how it is uh this time, well not this time. April 2019. We'll see how it goes. Uh the first six competitors for the Mae Young Classic have been announced. Uh Caitlin making a comeback. I I tend to assume that Caitlin will kind of get the Serena Deeb push in this tournament, the Brian Kendrick push. This is a story that WWE tends to tend tell well. The veteran coming back, seeing if they can hang, probably get a win or two, bow out in the Sweet 16 or or the last eight. Uh, this is basically going to be an audition for her to see if she can come back to the main roster. I don't know if she can. I know I was under the impression that she was going to come back for the Rumble, so maybe they just didn't have room for her there, or maybe they just wanted to hold her off until, so they could have somebody for the Mae Young Classic. Fine, either way. Ginny, uh, who was supposed to appear on the UK tapings but got injured early on and a four-way is going to be on here. I like Ginny. I think she's a better character than a wrestler, per se, and this tends to be one of those work rate type things, so we'll see how that goes. But I think she's great. Um, In the same vein, I really like Nicole Matthews. She's in this. Saw her at Rise. Can talk her ass off. Is a phenomenal heel, and you need good heels to play off of babyfaces. Last year, I thought they should have signed Nicole Savoy just to teach promos and just to teach swagger. Nicole Matthews has a different kind of swagger, but she has great heel swagger. And you can't teach that. She's quick-witted. She's sharp on her feet. She can talk. And they don't have a lot of people like that. They have a lot of people playing heel in NXT. And even on the main roster in some respects. I think Nicole Matthews would be a fantastic addition to the roster. But I I assume she's probably here for her personality to get over. And her work, don't get me wrong. Her work as well. To get over someone that WWE really wants to see what they have with. I don't know if it'll be a total noob or someone of name value that they signed. But she will probably get a a win and then put over... Someone that WWE has a little bit more, uh, you know, invested in. Io Shirai, long rumored to be coming over. Had a chance last year, I believe, when uh, Kairi Sane was coming in. Was it last year or two years ago? I think it was last year. But uh, some medicals got in the way and uh, and, you know, she had to hold off. But she decided after another run in stardom to come over. More than happy for her. More than happy for any influx of talent there is. But at the same time, since when does WWE do well with foreign superstars? And now that they have two other Japanese superstars, what are you going to do with the Yoshirai? Their tendency is to group people of races together, which I think is a mistake. I think it's insulting. They don't know how to build characters. You have a gimmick, and you go out there with your gimmick, and you do your gimmick, and you never really evolve as a character. So we'll see what happens here. I'm, I'm, interested. I think she's Final Four bound, because that's what you do. You you put two very talented people in the Final Four. You put one young in, and you put someone that uh, that that you think can run with it. So I I fully expect Io Shirai to be in the Final Four here, and uh, Rhea Ripley actually, uh, next to last, Rhea Ripley, who I think is fantastic. I think she's going to be one of those people who makes kind of a run in this tournament, and that's why she's been kept off TV. She's tall. She's blonde. It's what WWE wants. Glad she's come back from her injury. Looks in terrific shape since. Kind of got injured at the wrong time, I think, because I think they wanted to put her on TV earlier. Wanted to give her kind of this run that even Lacey Evans is kind of giving right now. I don't think you're going to see a Lacey or Bianca or anyone terribly established on TV. You're going to see someone, those people they've been kind of holding off, and that's where you get kind of Casey Catanzaro in this. She's been working on the Florida Loop, American Ninja Warrior winner, someone with some name value in the mainstream press. I would assume she's also probably going to make it to the Final Four. And I would assume she's going to be put in there with some veterans or some people she's been working with on the Florida Loop to make her look spectacular for her limited set. Now, she's going to have some great gymnastic moves. I think she has a potential that we may overhype her if she does particularly well in a match, especially one that she's been practicing, And but at the same time, good on them. They're pushing people who have some name value and they're in there getting training. I I have no problem with Casey Catanzaro becoming a star. I just, you know, (laughs) you kind of have to go back and forth from that hardcore, well, she didn't do any time on the indies. She didn't pay her dues. She kind of got in because she was a celebrity and now she has this bigger platform, but you can't fault people for becoming celebrities if you're trying to become a celebrity. And most people come to WWE to become a celebrity. So, I mean, what's the harm in it? If you make your name somewhere else and you get noticed by another industry and you can expand your platform, more power to you. So, uh, I'm going to be very interested to see how the the brackets fill out. I think you're going to get, you know, your veterans. You're going to get your Mercedes Martinez again. You're probably going to, have Nicole Savoy, the people that they haven't really brought back or used on TV too much. I think Deanna Perazzo's going to be in this tournament, and she's probably going to make a pretty good run, or she's going to be asked to put over one of the people they have a little bit more cachet in. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I really like the Mae Young Classic a lot. Last year's I thought was very successful. Again, if you ever want to be happy, go watch the Parade of Champions video. First two people, Dakota Kai and Serena Deeb, are just overjoyed to be there, and that might be acting, but I tend to think not. I think you know, women's wrestling kind of doesn't get a huge platform, a huge fan base. People still crap on it and on the main rosters quite a bit, even though it's gotten better. But I thought both of those women were very, very happy to be there, and I I think I think everybody was pretty much happy to be there. So I I think this is a positive for wrestling. I think it's a positive for the indie women scene. I think it's a positive just for the business in general. I I hope Caitlyn does well for herself. I never root against people because it's it's just bad taste pretty much, but I don't know if Caitlyn left being you know, one of those great workers that you think of and you go, okay, now she's going to return how she's going to be. Because everybody loses a step off their fastball once they've been out for a while. And I know caitlin has been training, and that's fine, but training isn't working in front of crowds again, isn't working in the WWE system again, which has its own foibles. I- I'm going to be very interested to see this. And, again, I-, I love Jenny to death. I just think she's more character than... Pure tournament type worker, but then again, then again, I mean, the UK tournament, the first one, wasn't a had great matches, but it was about getting Pete Dunne over as a character. So they could pull the same kind of thing here with Ginny. So I should probably curb my cynicism just a bit. So this week, I watched the G1 special, and I'm just going to come out and say it. I promised this. I wish Jim Ross would go away. And I say this as someone whose favorite play-by-play team, at least for me personally to listen to, were those few times that Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone worked together and were really complimenting each other. Jim Ross was bad on this telecast. And it says a lot that when he really got engaged was when Jay White threw Juice Robinson into him. Um, you know, I, I, you're, I was listening to Jim Ross give play-by-play and he sounds like a guy, I won't say he's half-assing it because I think he did prepare, but I think his preparation was wrong. He sounds like a guy who wants to call it on the fly, who wants that sports feel, who wants that spontaneity, but he can't bring the same emotion he used to in the Attitude Era, which is probably why A X. AXS or Access wanted to bring him in in the first place to do these calls. I think Josh Barnett is a poor compliment to Jim Ross right now because they're both a little bit on the curmudgeonly side. Josh Barnett's kind of doing a weird Bob Roop, if he ain't me, he's not good type of color commentator from Mid-South, which I don't think fits this. But on the other hand, I don't think Cyrus' larger-than-life sports entertainment commentator character does either. There should be a happy medium somewhere in here. Although I like Cyrus's job a little bit better than Josh Barnett, and I like Josh Barnett as a fighter and as a performer. I just don't think he was adding too much here on the telecast, especially at the end where he's kind of railing about how this strong style isn't his strong style. I know what he was trying to do. He was trying to say, look, it's just as good, and it's not mine, and time has passed, but it didn't come off like that. It came off like him being cranky about having had have to watch this show. Same with Jim Ross at the end after the beatdown. He's, he's like asking about how much longer this show's going to go on as if he had to go take a pee break or catch a plane. It, it really took away. And no performance took away more than during that Juice Robinson-Jay White match. I mean, his... Look. We can argue all day long as to whether or not Jay White should have pulled what he pulled on that match. It got both guys engaged. They were dropping swear words, which I didn't terribly appreciate too much, but at least with some emotion out of a rather listless team. But it also took JR away from his one job. His one job was to put over the U.S. title and to put over Juice Robinson being the first American to hold this title. And he did not do that in this match. He failed Juice Robinson in many, many ways by putting the onus on Jay White to the point where on the last moments of this match, after Juice wins, JR screwed up between Jay White and Juice Robinson, saying that we would have to follow Jay White's career to see where it took him. You had one job. I don't mind mixing up names occasionally, but he did it twice here in crucial spots, calling Juice J when he wasn't supposed to. And the real story of this was the title. And this title already has an uphill climb because it's not treated the best. It's mostly defended over here. It was kind of made up so that the states would have a title For this purpose, but at the same time, you're giving Jeff Cobb never open weight title shots. You have the IWGP belt, and you have Cody going for that. It's really a superfluous title in many, many ways. And New Japan has a guy on play-by-play who's very, very good. I wasn't always a Kevin Kelly fan. Putting biases aside, Kevin Kelly, friend of the Voices of Wrestling site, puts... Puts Joe and Rich over, quite great. Puts over the New Japan coverage, quite great. Something else that Kevin Kelly does that JR apparently does not do, JR tends, I think, and this is pure opinion and pure speculation, I think JR mostly talks to management about what they want done. Because there were reports in the Observer this week that he basically said he didn't want talent coming near him. During the broadcast because it's been a problem in Japan, and he didn't like it all that much. My thinking is that Kevin Kelly does a lot more with the guys and the talent. Hands-on, going over stories, going over spots, going over what they want to get over in the match, and he'll, he has his beats, and he knows what's coming, and he finds ways to get there. I just I just think it's two different approaches to the same job. And it's obvious that JR has a lot of other things going on in his life, including the podcast. Wikipedia's taken down the wrestling move section, so he doesn't have that anymore. It takes a lot more prep to do this product now. And they may be fans, and they may really like the product. But once you've kind of lost that edge to you, it's gone. I mean, this is this is almost to me as bad as Gordon Solie in the late '80s doing NWA broadcasts, where you know he's a great broadcaster, but you also know he hasn't been inundated with the product week after week after week. He hasn't been submerged in this product. He hasn't he hasn't been living every waking moment asking questions about this product. He's been off doing conventions and podcasts and you know, speaking and just enjoying life in Oklahoma. And he's more than entitled to it. Keep in mind as well, a lot. Of, I never liked JR all that much in WWE. I thought he had some very good calls, but the caricature of JR overtook JR, the great play-by-play man, because that's what WWE wanted. That's also what Access wanted. And instead, Access gets this curmudgeonly somewhat cranky saying homophobic jokes on the air which really just look i get yet you're trying to have a sense of humor and be personable here but man and and also make the local reference to alcatraz but that was that was an ill-timed uh, call on the uh on the move there and i don't know the name of the move i know i i i know it but i don't know it right now cuz i wasn't planning to go there but you know so we all suffer from that from time to time because i am a i'm a fan of new japan i'm just not paid to comment on that's for the big boys on the flagship but i do know that jr's job in that match was to put over the us title for new japan and to put over juice robinson winning it as a big deal and he didn't and now there's reports he's not going to be doing calling for the May Young Classic. Good. Because he brought that down too. I understand bringing him for spots in WWE. It's the nostalgia pop. You know, he gets the cheer. He gets to hear Boomer Sooner. He gets to sit in the big boy chair for a bit. Gets to call a match. We all get to relive our childhood. And then we make excuses that he wasn't bad. But he's not been good for a while to me. Name me the last match he called. That was pretty good. It's shocking to me that people, well, not some people, but some people, kind of saying, oh, I didn't think he was that bad tonight. As opposed to what? You know, I, I, I don't begrudge people making 11. I know why Axis brought him in. But I just think it's time Let the New Japan people have their team. Let them have the people who know the product. Let Kevin Kelly be the guy. Because he's been waiting to be the guy for a long, long time. He was waiting to be the guy in Ring of Honor. He's waiting to be the guy now. It is painfully ironic to WWE before the Attitude Era. Guys holding on to their spots way too long. It, it's, it's amazing to me how things repeat themselves just in different facets.
2: Rob McCarran here with your quick preview of WWE Extreme Rules. It is the go-home show to this year's SummerSlam, a show at which point, since the last time we talked, looks even more likely that Brock Lesnar will not be wrestling at, as Brock Lesnar makes his presence felt in UFC. Uh, challenging Daniel Cormier or whoever ends up being the UFC heavyweight champion as Brock Lesnar will be fighting in UFC again in 2019 at some point, probably early on, maybe even Super Bowl weekend. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Could Daniel Cormier make his presence felt in WWE somewhere? But right now, there's no Brock Lesnar for SummerSlam, which means that the Extreme Rules main event had to change from a multi man match to a singles match if you envision. Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns as being the main event of the show. I guess it has to be what else could be the main event on this show. Maybe the WWE title match between AJ Styles and Rusev. We'll see. Those are the two likely contenders. We'll go through this show last year. The show before SummerSlam, WWE Battleground, your second to last match in the show was Sami Zayn versus Mike Kanellis. Your main event of the show was the WWE title match inside the Punjabi prison between Jinder Mahal and Randy Orton. So really, there's only one way to go from there, and that is up this year's co-main event and main event. I would say much higher on the totem pole, or is it lower on the totem pole? Which which one is the best? That's a whole nother issue. Anyway. AJ Styles versus Rusev, and you have Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns. Nothing really on the line for Lashley and Reigns. Let's go through this show, shall we? We have 11 matches on this show, and what's becoming evident is they're just going to throw a lot of matches on these shows. We don't have the big multi-man match like we were expected to have. Instead, we have 11 matches on the show, just everyone's being thrown on it. There's only one real multi-man match, and that's going to happen on the pre-show, and it's a multi-man match between factions, so everyone in this match makes sense. It's not just all thrown-together people fighting against each other. It is the New Day versus Sanity. Sanity is going to open up this show with a victory. I don't feel that they're going to fall into mid-card obscurity randomly. I think they're getting their first big win here over the New Day. Finn Balor going up against Constable Corbin in a singles match. Corbin has kind of been lit on fire here lately. Uh, the new gimmick, the the new haircut, Corbin doing his thing, going up against Finn Balor here. This seems like a match a year from now. We're going to be like, what the hell was Baron Corbin doing in this, uh, this little match or this show? Uh, but right now, I think Constable Corbin gets the victory. Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens going up in a steel cage match. Kevin Owens keeping himself interesting, going up against Braun Strowman, who has been less than interesting. Uh, continues to do this, basically the Dean Ambrose gimmick. And speaking of Dean Ambrose, could we see him on the show? Maybe. I think more likely we're going to see someone else on the show as we get into the main event. But Braun Strowman, I'm getting the win here. You got to have your good guy go on top, especially if you're going to have Sanity and Baron Corbin winning their respective matches. WWE US Championship, Shinsuke Nakamura challenging Jeff Hardy. Uh, it is time. I think Jeff Hardy is going to take a little bit of time off. It looks like he has a little back issue that he's intimating about. Shinsuke Nakamura is going to be your United States champion, headed into SummerSlam, and his challenger, his next challenger, will be very interesting. Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley very well could be the main event of the show. Right now it's a singles match. Nothing really at stake except for whenever one of these challenges, Brock Lesnar, when Brock Lesnar comes back, could it be Survivor Series? I would imagine that's kind of the time frame. Uh, One of these two will likely be his challenger. Whoever wins this match will be his challenger for it. And you know what? Give me a Bobby Lashley win. Roman Reigns has lost before. He lost so many times to Braun Strowman. Give me a Bobby Lashley win. Bobby Lashley's first big win back with WWE. The Bludgeon Brothers, Harper and Rowan, are defending against Team Hell No, Daniel Bryan and Kane. This is the time for Daniel Bryan and Kane to get something going. They very well could win the tag team titles here, but I'm not giving up on the Bludgeon Brothers yet. Harper, Rowan, is tag team champion. I am giving up on them. Team Hell No is going to win this match. Dolph Ziggler with Seth Rollins. uh, 30-minute Iron Man match. Not only do we have 11 matches on the show, but one is going at least 30 minutes. This is going to be a long show. The show is going very long. I wouldn't be surprised if we see one more match added to the pre-show. Right now, I believe it's only the Sanity match that's on the pre-show. You very well could see Finn Balor and Baron Corbin going down there as well. Uh, But this is a 30-minute Iron Man match. Seth Rollins going back for his IC title. Whether Drew McIntyre gets involved a lot or not, I see Dolph Ziggler retaining his Intercontinental Championship and Seth Rollins moving on to something bigger for SummerSlam. Carmella and Asuka, WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. You have the Shark Cage gimmick back. Chris Jericho's been in it. Uh, What was it? Uh, We had... God, what was his name? What was his name? Paul Ellering, Paul Ellering was in the shark cage. I believe at one time with authors of pain, speaking of where authors of pain, they're nowhere to be found on this show. Anyway, Carmela versus Asuka. Asuka is not going to win back her women's championship. Carmela is going to defend it. Uh, I don't know if the shark cage is going to randomly fall down during the middle of the match or what else is going to happen, but I do not see Asuka retaining this championship. Not quite yet, especially when you have Charlotte in the mix later on down the line going up against Carmela. Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt are defending the tag team championships against Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. The B team, not quite the time yet. For the B team, Matt Hardy and Bray White have other things to do, more important things to do. The B team, this has been a nice little run in the summer. They will not be winning the tag team championships. We have an extreme rules match for the WWE Women's Championship. This also is a contender to be the main event of the show because Ronda Rousey has said she will be ringside. She will be in the building and you will get your push for Ronda Rousey's match at SummerSlam, which will most likely be a title match. So Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax very well could be the main event on here. I believe we're going to see Alexa Bliss versus Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam. So Alexa Bliss has to remain the champion coming out of here. It'll be interesting to see exactly what Ronda Rousey does, whether it's during the match or after the match. AJ Styles versus Rusev. AJ Styles is defending the WWE Championship. Against Rusev, the big thing on this is I expect Randy Orton to return to set up a SummerSlam main event of AJ Styles and Randy Orton. Randy Orton's summer vacation is coming to an end. He's coming back, and this is basically a a Royal Rumble-type title defense, a SmackDown Live-type title defense something to get over the new storyline that AJ will be in. And that is AJ Randy, which is a contender to main event SummerSlam coming up. That has been your preview of WWE Extreme Rules. I'll be back later on at some point in the future on Shake Them Ropes. But right now, right now, I'm going to leave. Bye.
1: Rob McCarron, boys and girls. I think we'll probably be doing some glow reviews in the very near future. Or at least he might be doing them with his wife. Something for them to do together. You know, because they're not doing other things together.
2: He can't fight
1: me right now. No, um, anyways, that was his Extreme Rules preview. Now it's time for mine. You go on the Wikipedia, kids, and God knows why would you. But if you do, the first match listed on here is a rematch from SmackDown. Andrade Cien Almas versus Sin Cara. Do we need to see this match again? Do we need to? The thinking here, I think, is that Andrade Cien Almas will now be able to win in front of a much bigger audience because there will be more eyeballs on this show than there were on SmackDown, which I'm not sure is objectively true. I hope he gets a stronger win than he did on SmackDown because I thought, look, Sinkara hadn't earned the right to get that much offense on Andrade Cien Almas. There's no reason to have him struggle this quickly out of the gate just yet. If you want the guy to be considered a star, you have to earn, how do I put this, new guys on the roster need to have it easy until they've come on some sort of journey where they hit a guy that's worthy of giving them a problem. And and Sanity had the same problem on SmackDown past few weeks. Okay, they're going to be guys if you get make them 50-50. And then they're going to wonder why there aren't more new stars. And then they're going to wonder why people tune out of their matches, etc., cetera, et cetera. But I, I expect Andre Acino almost to, to win this match quite handily. I, and the other match on your pre-show is the New Day versus the aforementioned Sanity. I I think, jeez, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing with Sanity. I, I don't understand this. They, They've had two wrestling matches, and they've lost both of them while well, getting beat downs in the weeks in between. I kind of expect Sanity to beat the New Day here, uh, just to kind of give them their heat back, but at this point, do they have heat? They might just, because she's been working the house shows on SmackDown, they might debut Nikki Cross here, which would I think would be a mistake. It, you don't need to inject the new blood in just yet. It should come at a big moment, but they might do it here. Cause it's a tables match, and Nikki may go through a table on top of somebody. Who knows? I think this match will be better than than expected, but still going to be a pre-show match, so it's not going to get a lot of time. They're not going to want to kill the crowd by doing all the oohs and ahs here. It's going to be, I think, a pretty good, pretty good uh, showcase for Sanity. I just don't know if it's too little, too late. Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax for the WWE Raw Women's Championship and Extreme Rules match. (laughs) God help me, I think they're going to redo the Bayley story here with Nia Jax not being able to hit her friend with a kendo stick. It seems like they were setting that up. That, oh, she's going to say she's going to break her like a kendo stick, but when the time comes, she'll have doubts. Alexa Bliss will take advantage of it. Niall looks stupid. And Alexa Bliss will move on to someone better for SummerSlam, which is Ronda Rousey. The, po- the point of this pay-per-view, I think, is going to be to shift some belts around to get in place for a much bigger show. So you're going to have, if you're thinking that title holders here probably aren't the strongest in the world, there's a good chance they may be switching them before the big show. But then again, I could be completely 100% wrong here because they also like going with new blood as opposed to just proven commodities. They like to see what they have in people. So maybe some of these people aren't going to be changing, uh, titles necessarily. AJ Styles versus Rusev going by Wikipedia, not by necessarily the match order. Um, would love to see Rusev win here. Would love to see a title change here. Don't think it's going to be that easy for him though. I think he's going to look good, but he's eventually going to fall. I think Aiden English may cost him the match here. Set up that breakup, which has been on and off for a month or so. Kind of agree with Rob here. I think Randy Orton's going to get brought back for a program with AJ Styles for SummerSlam. Seems to be a pretty big, uh, pretty big spot. Randy's been off for a while. Probably that time. Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt defending the Raw championships against the B team, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. Uh, Bray Wyatt's car accident, I could see them possibly putting the belts on Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel for a little bit. Whoever wins this is getting destroyed by the Authors of Pain, who I'll bring up later. And you know what? They can see how far they have it with this tag team comedy act the problem is there's another tag team comedy act later in the show that might win the belt so i think depending on what they do there they may do the opposite here i fully expect matt hardy and bray wyatt to keep the belts here but you never know the bray the b team's been been getting some good reactions of late carmella defends her wwe smackdown women's championship versus oscar james ellsworth will be suspended above the ring in a shark cage so does he dive down like Enzo did? Or does he drop something down that either gets picked up by Asuka to use against Carmella, or does Carmella pull it out because of James Ellsworth's malfeasance? I tend to think, I you know... I was thinking right up until this very point that Oscar would win the title here and they'd set up a big rematch against Charlotte for SummerSlam. But I could totally see them doing the Charlotte getting revenge against Carmella act at SummerSlam and to give her the belt again there. So I think somehow James Ellsworth probably ends up screwing up, but it ends up working against him rather than Carmella, and Carmella pulls out the victory here. Bludgeon Brothers versus Team Hell No? Bludgeon Brothers should win this. I don't think they do. I think they give the belts to Team Hell No for a short run here just to do the nostalgia spot of I'm the Tag Team Champions from the last time. But if Team Hell No doesn't win, it's going to be because of Miz. And maybe we're finally going to move on to that program? Seemed kind of teased during the Miz TV segment in SmackDown this week. But... I tend to think that Team Hell No is going to get a nostalgia run here, and it's a shame because the Bludgeon Brothers have been doing good work with what little they've been given here. Dolph Ziggler versus Drew ma- versus Drew McIntyre with Drew McIntyre in his corner in a thirty-man Iron Man match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship versus Seth Rollins. Ordinarily, I'd love this match. This match, though, has fourteen ma- has what fourteen matches on it. And you're putting a half-hour Iron Man match here where all the interest isn't going to be until the last half-hour. I like both these guys. I think they may actually steal the show here. I think they want to steal the show here. I just don't think the feud has... (laughs) It's an okay feud. Don't get me wrong. But I think we were all thinking that Drew McIntyre was going to be the guy to feud here so that you could build him a bit. I do think Drew plays a part in the ending, which will turn out to be kind of a screw job in an Iron Man match after you've already watched for 30 minutes. That could go badly for them, I think, but I think Drew I think Dolph Ziggler retains here and Seth Rollins somehow factors into the main event at SummerSlam still, even though he doesn't win the Intercontinental Championship back. Roman Reigns versus Bobby Lashley. Let's talk about this. Anybody here watch UFC over the weekend? Watch the Daniel Cormier versus Brock Lesnar uh, stare down? Interested me quite a bit. I know those two like and respect each other. But at the time I was watching it, I didn't think so. That's the problem with the Roman Reigns Bobby Lashley program right now. They're both arguing over being the guy, and the guy was actually over in UFC over the weekend. Being a badass. Rains and Bill Ashley were doing the WWE Memorial Pull-Apart Brawl. Didn't feel like they had real heat. Would have liked to have seen some real heat. Would have liked to have seen some real smack talk between the two before Roman goes out there to call him out. Yeah, I dare you. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it. That's all you have to do. Don't have to over-script it. Don't have to over-monologue it. And right now they're feuding over... <laughs> I want to be the guy. I want to be the guy. I want to be the face of the company. I want to be the face of the company. I I just, and you don't believe either of them. You don't because the guy, the face of the company, the most interesting man in the world right now in the WWE is the guy over at UFC that they don't want to mention. Lest they give UFC some publicity, which is silly in its own right. And it's a shame. I think this match may over-deliver. I think this entire card may over-deliver, which would be a a blessing. But I think the plan is Reigns still. I think Lashley's a little bit more interesting, especially if you tweak him a bit. But right now, the guy is Roman Reigns. And I think at the end, it's going to turn out that Bobby Lashley shakes his hand and says, I respect you. Because that's what this program feels like right now. Jeff Hardy defends the United States Championship against Shinsuke Nakamura. No feud has really been built except for weird promos by Jeff Hardy because of the dog bite injury to Shinsuke. I think Shinsuke is probably going to win this title because Jeff Hardy's not an interesting champ. He's banged up. He looks banged up every time he goes to the ring. Running to make the save on Tuesday night, he looked like he was almost limping on his way down. I, I just think Shinsuke's probably a little bit more interesting. I think he would have been more interesting with a short world title run, but this will be the compensation prize, I think. Now, who he goes against next? Who knows? Probably it'll be Jeff Hardy again at SummerSlam. But I think Shinsuke Nakamura kind of doing playing up the jingoism of the United States title would be a bit interesting. Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin in a singles match. I don't know. Is there anybody who's lost more cool factor than Finn Balor of late? Other than maybe Bayley and Sasha Banks, who aren't even on this card? I mean, really, right now, his gimmick is he smiles and he has a club, even though there aren't any members of this club. You know, it'll be a good match. Balor will make him look good. He's still the small guy. He may get the win. But Baron Corbin doesn't need the win. He's a character. He's, a, he's almost a non-player character in the constable thing because he's the authority now. So you can beat him. I don't know if they will. I think they will, but I don't know if they will. And then Baron Corbin goes on to play the heavy in another feud with Angle saying how he's the constable and he's the voice of Stephanie and you better put on a good show. I'm going to go back a bit. Let me go back to the Roman Reigns, Bobby Lashley thing real quick. This pull apart, because I remember what I wanted to say about and I forgot about. I just want one week for them to tell me why guys are coming out there to pull apart a fight when it's the land of opportunity and nothing would be a bigger opportunity than one of the top stars having to drop out because he was a knucklehead who started a fight during a show. Why do you have the authors of pain out there? Okay, we know what it means when you're out there. They don't let John Cena go out there in a pull-apart brawl to make sure guys are keeping separated. They never let CM Punk do it when he was on his ascent. Why are the authors of pain out there? This is going to be your monster team. This is the only act with any real momentum on your roster in terms of a win streak. I mean, sure, you cut away from them occasionally, but we knew they were there, you know. And and really, you know, what's, you know, show me, show me Kurt Angle rewarding guys for helping them break up that that fight because it would have ruined. I don't know. Not the pay per view. Don't do that because that's just stupid. You know, it's it's up. Oh, they're gonna ruin the show. What are we gonna do now, our gang? Oh, we may have to put on another fundraiser for, to you know, whatever. It, it's corporate fealty. It's dumb. It's dumb to say that you're trying to save the show. Because that just makes everybody else out there m- not important. <laughs> so you guys aren't good enough to headline this show. Those were our real stars. <laughs> it's, it's, I just want the extra step. Oh, hey, the revival. You know what? Because you helped break up that brawl that would have ended up hurting some people in the crowd or something to that effect, you get a world tag team title shot. Boom. So you've explained why guys are coming out there when they really should be self-interested as opposed to wanting to, quote-unquote, be a part of the universe. And, you know, you can get some play out that way. And then it makes sense why I'm watching, you know, heels Heels who never care about anybody but themselves all of a sudden care whether or not there's a main event at the next pay-per-view that most of them won't be on. It's just ridiculous thinking. And finally, Braun Strowman versus Kevin Owens. Hilarity ensues. I don't know. I tend to think Kevin Owens wins this because he ends up getting thrown over the cage and landing on the ground with a splat. I know that seems odd, but Braun Strowman doesn't need the win, he has the briefcase, which he will probably have to cash in in the next month. May cash it in on Sunday night, who knows. But it feels like one of those things where Kevin Owens wins but it's really Braun Strowman put over, kind of like, you know, the Brock Roman ending at the World's Greatest Royal Rumble where they go through the cage and really Roman Wins, but he doesn't, or Brock wins, but he doesn't, and that kind of thing. I think it's one of those things where Kevin Owens starts to climb the cage, and maybe Braun goes up and just throws him off, and he lands on his back and through a table. Because that's what Kevin Owens is here for. He's here to fall from great heights for our amusement. I don't know why, but that's kind of how they have him pigeonholed right now. This show could overdeliver. This show could be a total dud and a waste of four hours. We'll see. I think I'll be on Fightful after the show, so you can join me there. Last segment of Shake Them Ropes. I was going to watch some classic wrestling, but this week has just been really hectic with me starting my new job. A few thoughts on 205 Live and NXT. Really enjoyed the Undisputed Era versus Mustache Mountain for the tag team titles. I know that they didn't keep the belts on Mustache Mountain for long, but they got the job done, and they did what they wanted to do. They wanted to get a big pop in the UK, get the titles back on the heels, who are probably the best act in NXT right now. No problem with that. That was a great match. Trent Seven continues to impress me. I-, I mock him for having the gut, but the fact is it was a well-told story in this match, and... Uh, Kudos to all four men involved. I, I really hope Mustache Mountain does a little bit more in the coming months with NXT. I think Tyler Bate's possibly been the most underutilized person on the uh, at the WWE's disposal, especially given all the great matches he had with Pete Dunne. Although one could say Pete Dunne's been underutilized as well, being the UK champ. Uh, they really need to do something with these guys and really start putting them in on the reg. On, on the on the real shows here. Um they're just too good to, to not or too good to be denied, to be honest with you. Um I liked uh, Leo Rush this week on 205 Live. I, I found it a little problematic with Tazawa's promo calling him boy, but I let's put it this way, I don't think Tazawa meant to be racially insensitive. I think he just meant to kind of comment on Leo Rush's youth and it was poorly worded. And in our day and time, not the best optics. But you ascribe malice where there's actual malice intended. You don't ascribe malice where there wasn't malice intended. I think Leo Rush is being a little bit too heavy-handed on the, on the uh, reactions a bit. But I think there's going to be a fun little feud. I, I can't wait to see it. Um, again, apologies for no classic wrestling this week. Your boys beat. Your boys tired. Hope to have my guest next week. Uh, I will not plug because one never knows what's going to happen, and every time I seem to plug a guest, they seem to have a conflict. So, uh, anyways, for uh, Rob McCarron, thank you for the audio. I'm Jeff Hawkins. You can reach us at Shake Them Ropes on Twitter. You can reach me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can reach him at Rob from Indiana. We'll see you next week.